0: Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, I'm Nate Kruzak. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, I get the privilege of working with our young adults and college students as well as um, overseeing our high school and middle school uh, students. And if you weren't here last week, uh, you missed out on hearing that we have hired a high school pastor here at North Platte, or here at North Platte, sorry, I'm... Here in Kearney. So uh, yeah, we're excited about that. But hey, we're going to be hiring a children's pastor out there in North Platte soon. So we're excited. So come on, everybody here at Nor- <laughs> Kearney's excited for you in North Platte. So man, I need to get to all my introductions. So here we go. Hey, we want to welcome all of you who are watching out in uh, North Platte. We are so glad that you're here with us. And uh, Pastor Dave and Tiff are amazing. So uh, we're excited for you and how God's growing your campus. And we're excited to get you guys a uh, children's pastor out there. We also want to welcome all of you who are in the venue. That's typically where I hang out every Sunday, so uh, hello to all of you down there. Um, I know Pastor Chris will take good care of you guys today, so welcome. Thanks for being here. Also, we want to welcome all of you who are worshiping with us online. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us while you're maybe on vacation, you're spending time at the lake, hanging out, so uh, we're glad that you're here. So again, we're, we're glad that all of you have chosen to worship with us today here at New Life. We're just one big happy family. Amen. Right, we're just one big happy family, you know, in multiple locations. We're all better together, and it's just cool how God gets to use all of us together um, as one team and one church. And so again, I want to say happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Um, We do want to remember all of the men and women who have lost their lives um, serving in our military. So thank you to them and uh, to all the families who have sacrificed as well. And so we want to honor them and love them. So make sure you do that tomorrow. Um, I was listening to the radio, and there's a kind of a memorial that's happened about 3 o'clock clock, you know, just take a moment just, uh, just to quiet yourselves, maybe get your families together, and just really honor and remember why you get an extra day off. You know what I'm saying? It's for freedom, and so we, we're thankful for them. Amen? Amen. Cool. Hey, uh, also, you know, it's kind of the kickoff, non-official, official official, um, summer weekend. You know, a lot of people are taking off. Everybody's excited. I know the college kids are going, or the college students and high school students are like, yeah, we're out of school. We're Finally, summer's here. So they're all excited. And so uh, it's kind of also, I've been listening to the radio a little bit. Everybody's excited about going to the lake. So all you lake people, man, have fun. We're going to be joining you. Maybe not, but sometime this summer, we're going to find ourselves at the lake. Right, church? All right, thank you. Okay, good. You know, my thought is, is if, if you love Jesus, then you got to love the lake because Jesus spent a lot of time at the lake, you know, ministering to people. So, hey, lakes... In loving Jesus, it all goes hand in hand. So make sure if you love Jesus, then you should probably spend some time at the lake. And so today I'm actually going to give you a boating tip. So I would say hang tight, but if you're at the lake, you say hang loose, all right? So that's universal signal. Okay, no surfer, lake people. Great. Awesome. I'm making myself look like a fool. But today we are in our our series, Life Verse, and we're in the third week. And we've been talking about two words, um, an anchor and a filter, and uh, anchors are verses um, that help us stay rooted in Christ Jesus. Um, You know, when the the storms of life come and the waves get big, they help us um, to just stay rooted in Christ. And filters, they just help us filter um, how we should live, how we should act, how we should talk. And uh, so I thought, man, if we're talking about anchors, I should probably tell you a story. So um, all you North Platte people, you'll know Lake McConaughey is closest to you. When I was in high school, uh, we went boating one day. Uh, It was in the spring, me and some high school buddies and, and one of their dads. We were out at Lake McConaughey. Um, if you didn't know, it's kind of like Nebraska's ocean because we don't have oceanfront property here in Nebraska, but we do have Lake McConaughey, so if you've never been there, you've got to go. Um, it's huge. It's 27 miles long. It's probably longer now because it's I guess the reservoir is really full, and it's about four miles wide, and so we were trolling the face of the dam, so you have to, you have to know that we're, we're trolling along trying to catch walleye because they're spawning in the spring, and um, you have this huge rock cliff that's kind of the dam of the of the lake, and we're trolling along. Side of it, just a few feet out from it. And uh, if you've ever been to Lake McConaughey or been to a big lake, when it gets windy, you should probably get off the lake. Okay. Well, we chose not to. We're like, nah, we'll be fine. Let's just keep going. So we continue to troll down the lake. Okay. We'll make our last pass is what we told ourselves. So we got down towards the end, you know, about the last quarter mile and we're going to start making the turn and we go to make the turn and the boat dies. Boat dies, and it's really windy now. There's not a lot of boats out there. All the smart people got off the lake. (laughs) Not us. Okay, so we're out there. We're hanging out. We're like, what are we going to do? I was like, does anybody have an oar? Does anybody have an anchor? Somebody said something about an anchor. I was like, do we have an anchor? We're like, I don't know. I'm like, man, we probably should have figured this out. We're not very smart here. And so we start getting, now we're getting closer and closer to the rocks, and the boat begins to bang into the rocks. Bang! bang! we're like, oh, we got to do something here. And so some of us, two of us jumped out of the boat. One of the other guys on the front got an oar and we started to push the boat away while the other guys started cranking on the motor. Finally, it takes off. We're like, okay, let's get back in the boat. Maybe we should have probably stayed on land. Um, but we get back in the boat, we start racing back against the waves, we're getting splashed, waves are huge, get halfway back to the, the harbor to where our trailer is and stuff like that, and the boat dies again. So I said, who brought up the idea about the anchor and do we have an anchor? And they're like, yeah, we have an anchor. I'm like, okay, cool, you throw the anchor out, tie that thing off, okay? He, he's supposed to tie it off we'll get to that in a moment. So two of us are like, hey, we're going to figure, we're going to like, let's work on the motor, let's take off the cover, let's see if we can figure this thing out. So we're working on the motor, we're spraying ether in that thing, trying to get this thing to start, nothing's happening. All of a sudden, big waves begin to come crashing in, and I'm like, what's going on? And the, this, the, the, my friend is standing on the bow of the boat with monster waves hitting him. He never tied the anchor off, he's holding on to the anchor by in the rope, and the big waves are hitting, and he's bucking, and he's going crazy, and water splashing. I look back, and I'm like, Like, what is going on? I'm like, didn't you tie that thing off? No. And about that moment, a bigger wave hits and he throws the rope. So you'll have to hold on, I'll tell you the rest of the story. But today, God showed me a picture today that we need to be anchored in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so many of us today, what happens to us is we we throw the anchor out, it's it's firmly secure on the bottom, and it's in Christ, but we're holding on to the rope here. We're holding on to the rope, and when the storms of life come, we're getting bounced around and pushed around. And when sometimes we're like, oh, God, can I really trust you? What happens is is we just let go of the rope. And and God showed me a picture and said, Nate, tell the people today, encourage them. They need to tie themselves off to the anchor. And if you look in Ephesians chapter six, it's called the belt of truth, the armor of God. You know what I'm saying? Anybody went to church before? Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, but it talks about the belt of truth. And sometime in your relationship with the Lord, you're going to have to come to a point where you go, you know what? Despite what the world says and where, how the world says there's no absolute truth, you're going to have to come to a place where Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? You're going to have to come to that place where you, you tie yourself off to him because what's going to happen is, is the Lord showed me, uh, just showed me. He's like, Nate, I always give you enough rope to survive the storms of life. Like when my wife tells me I don't look very pretty, you know, that's just a little wave. You know, that's just a little wave. I'm like, oh, I can, I can manage that. But let's say, you know, you have a child and they, you know, they're like a prodigal son. They go away. And it causes strife in your marriage or someone in your family gets diagnosed with a disease. Bigger waves begin to come. You lose your job. Finances aren't all there. I don't know. But the wave, life's going to happen to us. And what God said is, is, if you're holding on to the rope, you can't always swim. So what God showed me is, is Nate, sometimes you're going to have to swim because I give you enough rope to swim to the top so you can breathe and survive. You're anchored in me. You're going to get bounced around a little bit, but you're anchored in me. So it's a picture today of you who are holding on to the rope. You need to tie that baby off. If not, when the storms of life come, you will be tempted. I am tempted to let go of the rope. But when I'm anchored, I'm anchored. I'm stuck. It's like when you get married, you're just stuck. And it's the best feeling in your life. You know what I'm saying? All you married people, all the dudes, come on. Yeah. It's just the best. It's just the best. And the wives are like, yeah, it's the best. Great. Yeah. But it's the best. Because you know, God gave you him, God gave you her, and you've chosen each other, and you have each other um, to have and to hold in good times and in bad, and sickness and in health. And it's just the best. And uh, so I would encourage you, tie yourself off to the, to the Lord today. Let Him be your anchor. Amen? Amen? Oh, man, let's get going. I'm ready to preach today. Here we go. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm spinning that thing. All right, cool. So when I heard about, when I heard about this Life Verse series, and, and uh, I saw my name on the slot that says that you're going to preach, I said, oh, man, what is my Life Verse? So I went to some of my college students and some of my high school students, and they said, oh, Pastor Nate, you're going to use your life first. What? And I'm like, what is my life verse? They're like, oh, yeah, you're going to preach John 3.30. He must increase and you must decrease. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know if I'm going to preach that, though. And, you know, we all have these life verses that are our anchors. They anchor us where I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, nothing is impossible for God. You know, all things that happen, you know, all good things and bad things that happen to people, you know, who... Who trust in the Lord? You you know you can get through things, and so we all have these scriptures that we hold on to, um, and so today I, I went back and I said, God, what is really my anchor verse? What is it that helps me really stay tied to you and anchored to you? And so I went back to a, a piece of scripture, and uh, it was in First Peter uh, one three and. It's not on this first slide, but it's on the second slide that, it, that it's, it's my hope. And, and that's my anchor verse. So let's look at this. 1 Peter 1, 3, this is my whole life verse. Let us thank God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through his loving kindness and mercy that we were born again to new life and have a hope that never dies. And this is where it, really where my anchor comes in. This hope is ours because Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen? That's, that's really it. If he, if he didn't raise from the dead, we have a problem. You know what I'm saying? Our uh, relationship with the Lord or our religion isn't any different than any others. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for Jesus who raised from the dead. And so that's really where my hope comes from. Because I don't know about you, but there's things in life that I fear. Life is difficult sometimes. Uh, and I was looking at a study, and there was a study that came out. And it showed that 68% of Americans fear death. A lot of people fear death. You know what the number one thing was? 78% fear public speaking. So you know what that tells me about our culture? We fear human beings more than we fear God. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people are going, hey, I'm more fearful of what these people have to say about me than what God really has to say. And a lot of people fear death. And so when I was looking at that, I was like, okay, 68% 68 of people fear that. But what does Jesus speak a lot about? So I went back to the New Testament. 10% of Jesus' teaching, he's speaking about heaven and eternal life. That's a good thing. So all these people in our culture, you may be sitting here today even going, man, that's me. Jesus has hope today. This life that we live, this death that we will encounter, is just temporary. It's just a transfer. We're not gonna, we won't spend eternity here on earth, but if you love Jesus, you spend eternity in heaven with him. And Jesus preaches a lot about that. So today, if you know people who are like, man, I fear death. I fear what that all looks like. Man, put your hope and faith in Jesus because he preaches a lot about it. This place, temporary, won't be here forever, but we will spend eternity somewhere. Amen? Amen? Amen. So as I was looking back at our verse, I thought about, man, thank God for your mercy. God, you gave mercy. You, you could have gave judge, judgment to us. You could have given us death, hell, but you gave us Jesus who was a mediator who made the way for us to come to the Father. And I, and I thought, man, that, that's really where my hope has to be anchored in. And so today I, I want to talk about earthly hope and biblical hope. So what is earthly hope? It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And usually when we talk about kind of an earthly hope, we express uncertainty rather than certainty. Let me explain. I don't know if you're a student today or if you're a mom today, but you, you, if you do and you have kids, you probably have heard this before. I hope mom gets home early to make dinner for us. The kid's going, I don't have a certainty that mom will get home on time, but I have a desire that she will. You hear what I'm saying? We, we don't. There's an uncertainty. I hope she does, but I don't know if she really will. We have family members probably who are traveling all over the country, who have been traveling, and sometimes we'll say, man, I hope that they arrive safely. We don't necessarily know if they will, but we have this desire and a hope that they will. And there's, that's, the, that's kind of the worldly hope. But the biblical hope looks like this. Looks different. There's a, I think they're going to pull up the slide for me. There we go. It's a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. It doesn't mean you're going to cross your fingers it means expect great things from God. How many of you have ever had a birthday? All of you have had a birthday. Okay, that would be good. Okay, good. You're all in the boat. You're like, what? We've all had a birthday, right? And you've heard people say, I'm now 32. Hey, if you blow out all your candles, your wish will come true. Well, at 32, I don't even know if I have the lung capacity to blow out 32 candles. But we say, hey, if you blow out all your candles and make a wish, it'll come true. That's not what we're doing with God. We're not crossing our fingers going, Man, I hope so. No, it's an expectation because of the nature of who God is that we can trust him and put our hope in him. Amen? See, hope is a gift of God through Christ that produces a confident, unshakable trust in his faithfulness. It's not wishful thinking. It's God is going to do what he says he will do. See, when my wife texts me during the week or on an evening and says, hey, I want to cook dinner for us, be home at 6 p.m., I have a confident hope that when I get home, that there will be dinner on the table. Why? Because it's in her nature to do so. She just doesn't, you know, play tricks on me and go, hey, ha, 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 joke. Not actually going to cook dinner. No, that's, everybody in first service laughed at that. Nobody in first, man, second service, man. Okay. Thanks, North Platte and Venue for laughing at me. But I have a confident hope in my wife that when she says she's going to do something, she's going to do it. Amen. Amen. And that's the kind of confidence and hope that we can have in Christ Jesus. We can count on him. See, authentic hope always is a byproduct of a personal relationship with God. Our hope comes from knowing God. If you don't know God, that's a problem. But if you look at, through God's love story of the Bible and see who God is and what his promises are, you know that they are trustworthy and true. I mean, if you're struggling with finances or a relationship, you can go to the love story of his book and you can find ways to beca- have a better marriage, become better with your finances, trusting the Lord with him. There's a number of things. It's everything that you went, maybe go to a self-help seminar. Just, I'm saving nine, the $99. They've just taken it out of the Bible. All the self-help stuff is straight out of God's word because God created all things. Amen, church? All things come from him. There's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes says. And so people come up with these new concepts, they're just stealing it from God's word. So God's word should be making more money. You know what I'm, I'm just saying, okay. See, this relationship, this hope, isn't dependent on our conditions or circumstances. They have nothing to do with us, but everything to do with the nature of God. There are days, maybe you or I, We wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You know what I'm saying? You ever done that? God doesn't have those days. God doesn't wake up on the bed, I'm going to have a bad day today. They better watch out. Nebraska, you're going to get it. No, we don't serve that kind of God. He's faithful. He's true. He's constant. He's the same. He doesn't change. You and I, we may wake up. You may have met me on some of those days. Sorry, I had a bad day. Just leave me alone. But God doesn't have those days. God is constant. He's faithful. You can anchor yourself to him. His word tells us who he is. See, God through Christ Jesus has defeated everything that has reduced the ability to hope. What reduces the ability to have hope? Sin, despair, discouragement, helplessness, fear, even death. So where do we start today? Where do we start if we're like, man, I want to put my hope and faith in Jesus? You have to come to the understanding you and I can't muster up hope. Sure, we can hope in things that are temporary, but they're just temporary. The Bible says that moths and rust will come and destroy those things. They're just temporary. But when we put our faith and hope in Jesus, Jesus becomes our hope. And it's by believing and putting our hope and faith in him. So in the scripture that I was talking about in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it talked about this new birth. Now, I don't feel like I need to go back into, uh, you know, health class to know what a you know a rebirth is. Some of you are going a rebirth, man. I've already been birthed one time. I can't be rebirthed. I know it's physically not, it's not capable. You can't do it. But a re, a spiritual rebirth has to happen inside of us. We've all been born once. Some of us are more mature because we've had years of experience. Other of us are gaining experience. As I look at some of the college students who have just graduated, they're gaining experience. They're learning new things. But for all of us, we have to have a rebirth in Christ Jesus where we put our faith and hope in him. Where we experience the death of our selfishness. We lay it down and Christ begins to resurrect us and make us into who He's designed us and called us to be. We take on this new life in Christ Jesus. And when we do that, we are filled with his mind, his character, and his power. So it all starts with taking a step of faith and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my hope in faith. I'm not just going to hold on to the rope. Where that, That's maybe where you might start. But you come to a place where you anchor yourself. You tie off the belt of truth onto yourself. And this got me thinking as we were talking about the anchor and the filter. How many of you drank coffee today? Any of you drink coffee out there in North Platte or the venue, all of you in here? If you didn't have a filter, then you probably chewed your coffee today. And so some of you might be jacked up on, you know, caffeine and Jesus even more than I am. But thank the Lord for a filter. You know what I'm saying? Filters, they have, they're, they're all over. If you didn't have a filter in your car today, that would be bad. You probably wouldn't have made it too far and you'd be buying a new vehicle. Um, but it, it made me think, you know, what's a filter? What's a verse that I use to filter my whole life? And filters, they help keep um, the junk out. Um, God's word in, God's word out. Filters help to purify us. And early on in, as a pastor, I've almost been at, here in Kearney at New Life for eight years. Thank you. Someone's excited. <laughs> and before that, I was at Lincoln for four years. But before I was in, at Lincoln for my duration of four years... The first six months, I was, in a, I was only in a position for six months because um, I didn't always use my words correctly. I would speak truth, but not always in love. And I would tell you how I thought it was, and a lot of people would affirm, man, you're saying the right things, but you're not doing it the right way. And so I got put on a six-month probation. People were like, Nate, you gotta have a timeout, man. You gotta learn how to respect and honor people. And I was like, okay. And God showed me in that moment of my life when I was young... I'm still young, but when I was younger, James 4.10, this became a filter for my life. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. There were moments in my life where I thought, man, i got to go out and make it happen. i got to show myself that I've studied and I'm approved, that I can make it happen, that I can grow a ministry, that I can you know, disciple people, that I can love people. And, uh, and so I thought, I, I mean, I'll just do it at all costs. And God showed me in that moment, it was a humbling experience for me, where he brought me back and said, Nate, I need you just to humble yourself. Trust me. Humble yourself before me, and I will lift you up. In our culture today, humility is looked upon as weakness. You know what I'm saying? My wife works in corporate. She'll come and share with me. She'll like, hey, this is going on. I'm like, just humble yourself and kill them with kindness and just love Jesus and love them. She's like, you you can't just be humble. They'll just walk all over you. And I'm like, but that's... I know that's the world's design, but God's design is humble yourself. Have you ever been around prideful people? They're not fun. They're like, dude, you're so arrogant, I just want to, like, dropkick you. Boom. It's like, what? Or if, you're like Pastor, or if you remember Pastor Chris's message last week, you'll say things that you know you shouldn't say. But people who are full of pride, they're not fun to be around, but people who are humble, they're fun to be around, right? Because they don't think like they have it all together. They'll take your advice, they'll take your questions, they'll take your answer and they'll go, yeah, let's apply that, let's try that. Those are good ideas. And God, show me, Nate, you just need to take a step back and humble yourself before me. Let me lift you up, let me fill you up, let me encourage you, let me take out all the deficiencies, the character traits that are not of me and let me pour in my character, my fruits of the spirit so that people don't see you but they see me. Amen, that's what it's all about. Being anchored in the hope. And so today, I always I have to ask myself self, each and every day Am I humbling myself before the Lord, or am I trying to lift myself up, fill myself with selfish, fleshly desires, or am I allowing Christ to be the Lord and leader of my life? So I ask you today Are you humbling yourself? Are the storms of life that you're maybe facing because of your own selfish decisions? I've been there, I know. When you say things to people that who are higher up than you that you shouldn't say, you get consequences. You cause storms in your life. I've been there. And so many times when we think, oh, we'll do it our way, we cause storms for our life. Four months ago, I got a, uh, a yellow lab puppy. His name's River. I th- oh, thank you. I think it's worse than having a kid. I'm just saying. People are like, oh, you've got a dog? When are you going to have kids? when the Lord says so, I guess, whatever. But I have this dog, and if you've ever had a pet, if you leave them to to themselves, what happens? Destruction! Man, if you own that pet, I mean, it's way over $200 worth of damage, man. They'll chew through stuff. I mean, I had to come back and replace a new fan cord, and praise the Lord, he was smart enough to pull the fan away and unplug it before he bit the cable. But, man, they're crazy. They'll just eat up anything. He'll eat anything. I mean, he'll eat my wife's plants, and he doesn't get in trouble, but I do. It's like, you need to control your dog. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. He is cute. But left to myself. Am I cute? No. Okay. But left to myself. Left to myself, I will do destructive things. Right? Left to yourself, you will do destructive things. You'll, you'll seek out harmful things, selfish things. Indulge yourself in sin that so easily entangles you. you. You'll indulge yourself in pain, fear, doubt, manipulation, justification of your actions. And what happens is we really think we're living the real life. We're thinking, oh, man, I got it all figured out. But we don't. Because our hope's in ourself and not in the Lord. So where there is hope, there is life. Maybe you've heard it reversed the other way. Where there's life, there's hope. But where there's hope in Jesus Christ, there comes eternal life, real life. Today, hope has a name, and it's in Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. And over the years that i found, as I've placed my hope, I've tied myself off. I've anchored myself. I've allowed God's word to be a filter for my life that Jesus will guide me. Hope will guide you. There's moments where I get super frustrated with myself when I begin to take back this hope in God and I put it in myself and I keep going, dude, why? why are you so dumb sometimes, Nate? You live with all this mess and this stress that you cause for yourself when the Savior of the world wants to guide you. It goes back to the old, the, the Bible nursery rhyme. He's got the whole world's in his hands, you know? You've got to step out and push yourself in his hands and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I place my life, my future, my relationships, my work, my kids, I place them in your hands and I promise you, with Jesus as your hope, he will guide you. See, God, or Christ has promised us to give us all the guidance we need to know and do his will. And hopefully, and I I know it does for me and I hope it is for you, that that gives you the hope for tomorrow. He wants to guide you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to pour out blessings upon you. And the second thing that I found is hope will inspire you. Confidence in Jesus occurs when he speaks to us. So how does he speak? Christ invades our minds, emotions, and will, if you'll allow him to. Two months ago, I was was really struggling um, as a pastor. I went and talked to some of uh, our pastors on staff. I went and talked to some other pastors, and I was just really wrestling um, in my call all my life that God has. And uh, sometimes I feel like, if I can just be completely vulnerable, uh, sometimes I feel like in our culture with media and just the videos and all the media that's put out around pastors, I feel like sometimes being a pastor is all about performance. And when you don't perform well, then people just walk away from you. And so I struggle with this inadequacy of going, man, I'm not good enough, God. You, You can't use me. I don't know how you could ever think you can use me, and I used to. Be, I began to. I was buying into that lie for the you know two months ago, and I was really struggling. And so I went and got some advice, and then I was like, "Yeah, I've heard that, man. I'm psh, I can read the Bible and hear that. Don't we do that sometimes, church?" And I said, "Okay, I'm done with the advice. I'm just going to go and uh, get alone with God." So I took a, a couple days, and I just got alone with God, and I turned on some worship music, and I just got in God's Word. And I just began to seek after him. And when I say practicing his presence, that's what I was doing. I had to put myself in the presence of God. I said, God, I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move until you show up. I'm going to hang out in your presence and I'm not going to leave. Where your presence goes, I want to go. If your presence stays, I want to stay. And I just sat there and said, God, I'm not going to move until I hear your voice. And that was in that moment where God began to invade my heart. When his word says that when you seek me, you will find me, it's the truth, church. But I think sometimes what happens is is we believe, oh, I, I can have hope in Christ. I can believe God wants to do all types of things for everybody else, but God doesn't want to do anything for me. And that's a lie from the enemy, church. God wants to do the same thing for those around you that he wants to do for you. God loves you. He cares about you. He's called you for a purpose. He's created you for such a time as this. He's woken you up today, not to bring yourself praise and glory, not to to indulge yourself in selfish things, but to bring him praise and glory and honor and draw all men to himself. That's God's heart. And so I bought into this lie. I was like, man, I'm not good enough. But God showed up in that moment. God showed up in a number of situations that I wasn't even expecting, but God invaded my mind, my emotions, and my will. So this is how God speaks. He speaks in your prayer time. He gives you wisdom and he gives you insight. But too many of us are like, I want the answer now. We're like a fast food restaurant. I gotta have it now. This is not how God works. It's not just have it your way now. He's like, time out, chill. I'll put you in the corner for a second. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be put in the corner. But we want it now. But you've got to spend time in the presence of God. You've got to hang out in the presence of God. Be in his word. I, it's, it's all, I know it's all easier said than done, but you have to do it. Because it's in those times where he invades that moment and he speaks. It's through his scripture reading. He guides you to just the right passage of scripture. I mean, I don't know if you've ever read before. You're like, eeny, meeny, tic-tac-toe, boom, pow, here we go. And you open up this verse and you're like, dude, that's perfect for what I needed. Coincidence? I think not. But God led you there. He does that. He's faithful like that. You can just open up the word of God and he'll point you to a scripture that you need for such a time as that moment. God will also entrust friends to come speak to you. So surround yourself with godly people that will encourage you, lift you up, who will speak truth to you. Not just telling you what you want, but who will speak to you. And one of the, re- one of the, the moments how I, when I felt like I had gotten so far off as I went back and I thought back and I go, man, how did I, where did I, how did I get to this place of feeling this way about myself where I wasn't trusting God but I was trusting more myself? There was a message that I spoke a year ago, and the whole idea of the message was on saying yes to God. Say yes to God. And what I had found over the several months, that when God would prompt me and speak to me, I was saying no. Why don't you go pray for that person? Why don't you go speak to them? No, that's an inconvenience. Or how about you go on that missions trip? My thought process began to go, man, you've been to one country, you've seen them all. I'm a pastor. I'm thinking that way. Not godly, not wholesome at all. But I'd gotten to the point where I allowed myself to say no to God. Maybe you find yourself in this place where you can like, Nate, I can relate. I can connect with where you're at. Examine your heart and ask yourself, am I saying no to God? So many times we take ourselves and put, our, put ourselves on the shelf. We disqualify ourselves when God hasn't even disqualified you at all. He's saying, I want to use you, but because you don't want to be used, God can't use you. Today, don't disqualify yourself. I encourage you to continue to say yes to God. Maybe it's the small steps. Maybe you've been burned by a church, by other people. If we trust in men, we'll all, they will always fail us. But when we trust in God... He'll never fail us. So trust in God. Put your hope in Him. Say yes to Him. And that's what I had to begin to do. I had to begin to go, God, I'm going to say yes to you. And He began to give me a new boldness to step out and trust Him. See, the confidence of our hope is both in what Christ has done for us in the cross and resurrection and His presence and power with us in our problems and needs. I don't encourage you to be a person who uses God, as kind of like a 911 God. When the waves hit and troubles come around you and you run to God, don't, don't be that person. But trust in God when you're on the top of the mountain and you're in the valley below. When you're in the boat and when you're out of the boat and you're getting knocked around by the waves and the seas, trust in God. Put your hope in Him. Allow Him to use you and guide you. As we wrap up today, I was praying in here this weekend, God kind of just showed me a picture. When I say H2O, what does that make you think of? Water, perfect, good. So we're staying with the boating, you know, theme. We're staying with the lake theme. So welcome to the lake of new life. But as I was, as I was praying and I was thinking, God just showed me this picture. I'd used hope and humility. And so God was showing me, he said, Nate, I want, I want you to know this. I became your hope when everything was hopeless I humbled myself and came as a sacrifice for you. I gave myself as an offering to go to the cross and grave for you. And out of me flows springs of living water. So my response, so Jesus is telling me, God is telling me this while I'm praying earlier this week. And so our response has to be this. Put your hope in Jesus. Humble yourself to Jesus. Give yourself as an offering to Jesus Jesus. And he will make you a spring of living water of hope for the world around you. That's really what it's all about. It's not that you gain hope and you gain gain security and you're like, Ooh, I'm just hanging out in the pool with the raft. Yeah, I'm safe. It's cool. No. God's calling us to be lifeguards, to take this hope to the world where people are drowning and dying in sin and they don't know the hope of Jesus. God's calling us to go, Hey, will you be a voice Will you be the coworker who speaks truth and love, who listens to the one that's hurting next to you? Will you encourage, will you invite the one to church? Will you share the hope that you found in Jesus? I know many of you would, but I know there's some of you today, you're not even really sure if you've got your ho- you've placed your hope in Jesus. That's where you got to start today. So today, church, as we go into worship, would you stand and pray with me? Jesus, today we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you're our hope. You're our rock. You're our firm foundation. So Jesus, whether we just need to be reminded today to put our hope and our faith in you, to be anchored to you, to quit trying to hold on to the rope but tie ourselves off to you. God, if you're calling us to lay down anxieties and fears to humble ourselves before you, your word says that your burden is light, your yoke is easy. So Jesus, you will carry the weight of our anxiety, our fears, our doubts, our questions. You're a God that doesn't get ran off by questions. So Lord Jesus, may we be those people. Whether you ignited, you need, we need to be reignited with the passion to, to share your hope with those around us. God, if we need a a heart transplant, because our heart's been hard, it's been hurt, it's been broken, it needs to be mended and and healed today, softened today. May we be people who come humbling ourselves before you, allowing you to do what you need to do in us so that we look more like you. Jesus, today we love you and we thank you. We put our trust and our faith and our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen.